welcome to Drawing a Dialogue. My name is Kathy G. Johnson. And I'm Remus Jackson. On Drawing a Dialogue, we put comics into historical, theoretical, and educational contexts. I work with K-12 students in schools and additional alternative educational settings. I have three graphic novels out in addition to self-published work. I have a master's degree in art education. And I am a PhD candidate at the University of Florida's English program. Um, my research focuses on trans embodiment and experience in comics and zines and museum studies. Um, and I also make uh, mostly self-published comics. Yeah. And you have a new work out, Ophelia. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's been out for, I don't know, a month now? Something like that? Yeah. I just remember from listening to our last episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can go get it now from your itch.io. Is that how it's pronounced? I guess. Yeah. It, it, which is uh, re- just my name, remusjackson.itch.io. Um, cool. And it's called Ophelia and it's the first one that comes up. So, yeah. Yeah. And there will be a link. I'll put a link. I put a link last, uh, last episode too. Um, so welcome to episode 47. And this is going to be, I think I'm going to just title it Comic Art Ed. Okay. Like, just the name of my website, which is ultimately the name of my work. Mm-hmm. Um, because today I'm going to be presenting my new chapter for an academic book that just came out. Ooh. But first, I wanted to give a little backstory um, and then I'll jump into it. Honestly, Remus has been uh, running. It was so funny. Remus was like, I'm stressed. I got a lot going on. I'm doing my PhD exam. Uh, I don't know if I can do this. And then it just ended up then I think at that energy just like fed into you coming up with ideas for episodes. And then you ended up running the last couple of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you were the one who was busy. <laughs> so it's been my turn for at least a couple of months. And now it's finally coming to head. Um and then it's my turn. Um, but before I just get into uh, my uh, chapter, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to just give a little backstory on what it is. Um, so in September 2020, I saw an open call for papers. And actually, this open call was on Comic Scholars Listserv. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is a secret listserv. I don't think it is. Um, <laughs> Do it's through UF, right? E- e- loosely, I don't actually know if we're... I don't know who's moderating it, at, like, who at UF is moderating it at this point. Um, but theoretically, yeah, it was started by UF. Uh-huh. And it's just a... It's a it's a group of, of... There are emails, but I think there's probably an online version of it, right? No. Where it's just like a... It's like a message board. It's a li- yeah. So it's a it's a it's an old fashioned listserv, uh, which is a, it's just entirely through email. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's an online there's an online documentation of the N- emails though. Not of the our listserv. Maybe other listservs do that. Really? Yeah. It's just a listserv. There's no message. We don't have like a message board component or anything. <sighs> I feel like there's an online. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like there- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there's a it's 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 copied over somewhere. Not like in a fancy way. I don't to my knowledge Remus really disagrees. To my with knowledge us. there is no th- there is no such thing. Um maybe All right. maybe hidden deep in the bowels of UF's email system or something, but um well anyway, <laughs> there's a listserv that's all comic scholars. So the two of us are on it mm-hmm. and all sorts of other people are on it and it's an international listserv mm-hmm. 
Um, and so in September 2020, I saw an open call on this list serve uh, for papers about comics in education. And honestly, September 2020, it felt like a fun lockdown project um, for me yeah. <laughs> to finally write, document, and summarize my comic education work. Um, ever since I wrote my master's thesis in 2017, it's kind of just been simmering, waiting to be published. And people kind of kept asking for it. And for a while, I was giving out my master's thesis. And, and then it just didn't feel like it was like a good representation of my work. Mm -hmm. The thesis was long and cumbersome. Mm -hmm. um, and I just didn't want to publish it in that version. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of the master's thesis has been reworked in this project, in the in the Drawing a Dialogue project, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I just felt like that older version just wasn't representative of my work anymore. And it's been something I've been wanting to do. So... But, however, the open call was for research-based chapters, mm -hmm. and I wanted to publish my wake in a my work in a way that felt true to it. Mm -hmm. um, so why force research into something uh, when I am the expert, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I wrote an email to the editors, and I introduced myself. I said I was a cartoonist and an educator, as everyone who's listening knows, um, that I had three graphic novels out. And then I've been teaching comic making workshops for K through 12 students for almost 10 years at that point. Yeah. Now probably 12. Um, I have a master's degree in teaching and learning and art and design from Rhode Island School of Design. Um, and I wrote my master's thesis on the benefits of cartooning for children. Mm -hmm. um, and I wrote, I would love to participate in this book. I am very excited about the idea of publishing more about this amazing topic. However, I admit I have not written scholarship beyond my thesis from a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Would you be... Would there be a place in your book for perhaps a more informal approach to discussing children and comics making from someone who is both a cartoonist and a teacher? Because I felt like I could bring expertise in sort of two different ways right. of not only being a teacher, but also being someone who makes comics, right? Which is sort of a unique position for a comic scholars, because mm -hmm. most comics scholars are, um, a lot of them are professors, but they a lot of folks aren't actually cartoonists themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So that's also why me and Remus and the Drawing a Dialogue project is kind of a unique project. Um, I just love talking about how we're special, <laughs> Remus. <It's> like <laughs> mm -hmm. um, And then, uh, so one of the editors, Lars, wrote me back and he said, great to hear from you. I'm a sporadic listener of Drawing a Dialogue, <laughs> so I'm somewhat aware of your work. <laughs> So if you're listening, Lars, hi. <laughs> yeah, it, and he had actually written a fan email oh, that he? he had listened in 2018. So this is two years later that he like listens to our podcast. Oh, that's so fun! I didn't realize Isn't that. That's so fun. I do get a little excited uh, when I hear from like comic studies folks that they listen to. It's like, hey guys, yeah. <laughs> hi. <laughs> We're sorry for kind of salty sometimes. <laughs> Um, I think he wrote, I think yours is an interesting proposal. And Robert and I, Robert being the other editor, have talked about having a section of the book with a more practical approach with contribu contributions from teachers and others who have been 
uh, have a lot of experience of working with comics in classrooms. Mm-hmm. And then they had a talk and then they wrote me back and said we would feel like it would be a very interesting addition to the collection. So far, our conversation with the publisher. So like they are the editors of the book, mm-hmm. but then they proposed a book to a publisher yeah. and the pro- publisher said they wanted a collection of research based chapters on comics and education. But then he wrote that we both feel like it would be beneficial to readers to also have some examples of practice-based experiences with comics in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking that we're going to try to sell them on that idea. And so their suggestion was to put together an abstract and send it to them. And then we'll, they'll propose the abstract and see if it fits. And then so in October 2020, I submitted an abstract that I believe you helped me write. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was accepted. Yeah, it was a good abstract. Um, and <laughs> thank you. And I'm going to read it and soon, very soon. Um, and then so I wrote the chapter. And then so like the abstract is just like a summary of the chapter. Mm-hmm. And it's basically saying what the chapter is going to have in it. It's just like a summary. Um, so it was accepted. And then I wrote the chapter. And then we did a lot of back and forth editing and peer reviewing And then the book was just published in September 2022. Um, So just a couple months ago. Um, It's titled Teaching with Comics, Empirical, Analytical, and Professional Experiences. And it's edited by Robert Amon and Lars Vollner. Published by Palgrave Macmillan. Um, I really want to shout out both Robert and Lars for giving me this really cool opportunity and for not shying away from letting me write a chapter that isn't 100% the most scholarly Mm -hmm. thing that's ever existed. (laughs) Because I just really wanted to write it the way I wanted to write it. I didn't want to compromise. Um, Because I'm not getting paid. I didn't get paid for this. This is my work. Mm -hmm. It just really felt like I was like, I'm not going to do this unless this is exactly what I want it to be. Yeah. Um, So in this episode, I'm going to be reading my chapter. And so you could kind of think of it like a paper presentation. Okay. Um, I'm going to be reading my chapter and then... Uh, Remus, there's like gonna be there's sections, mm-hmm. and then so at the end of my sections, I think we can like uh, if you have any questions or anything that you want to talk about, um, maybe that those are good points to jump in. Sure. But otherwise, I think it might just be fun to just like read the chapter yeah. and just make it kind of uh an accessible way of getting this chapter out there into the world. That's fun. Um, yeah. So this is uh, it's a book chapter. So how about how long is it? Do you think? Yeah. So it is. So I'm going to be skipping over parts where I explain specific steps for art activities gotcha. to do with the kids. So it's not my full chapter. Okay. Um, so if the book sounds interesting to you, you should just get it. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm super honored to be in it. I think Robert and Lars made a really good book. Um, I'm also chapter four. Ooh. So I'm actually pretty high up there. So I'm pretty proud of it. That's fine. Um. So it is not going to be the full chapter. It's edited down. Um, and I, I ran it through a timer. Mm-hmm. So it should be about 30 minutes. Cool. To be clear, I was, I, was, I was less asking as like a time thing and more just like, I don't know if people know like the, the, how long a book chapter is usually. Oh, right? I don't know either. Do you know? Um, I know that mine was, um, oh, shoot, eight thousand words they're not as long actually as like articles they tend to be a little bit shorter yeah i would say that's probably correct for me too because the total of what i'm looking at is like 5100 words but i did cut out i cut out a good portion of it yeah yeah because i i go through it and i 
give every step of different art activities. Sure. And it's just like not <laughs> so boring to read. <laughs> <laughs> but very useful for other uh, teachers. Yes. Yeah. Yep. 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 And if there's things that you're interested in and want to do, this, this is, I'm going to keep like, this is, this is my work. Yeah. Right. This is like a summary of my work. So it's going to, I'm going to keep going back to it and drawing from mm-hmm. it. And um, I'm going to keep doing it. So let's go. Um, so the chapter is titled Comic Art Ed. Making comics is for everyone. And here is my abstract. This chapter discusses the art education approach to K through 12 comic book lesson development through five different pedagogical values. Teamwork, ideation, literacy, self-actualization, and fun. Uh, the art education approach puts making comics into the hands of students. Cartooning combines drawing and writing into its own unique um, learning and creating form. Practical approaches to teaching are discussed, including drawing games, character creation, story brainstorming, drawing finished comics, and publishing books together in order to show how an art education approach to teaching comics promotes pedagogical values. This paper offers practice-based examples with comics in the classroom, but uh, this podcast will not, <laughs> um, including student artwork and experiences while encouraging other K-12 through educators to do the same. So my keywords, which are just like words that make it researchable, right? Like it's easy to look it up. Yeah, it helps with um, like searching. I used to do little uh, practices with my students where I would teach, I would like teach them how to figure out keywords because it makes a huge difference in finding research if you understand what keywords you need (laughs) yeah so my keywords are comics art education pedagogy cartooning and comics making all right so here is my introduction this chapter describes an art education approach to K-12 through comic book lesson development through five different pedagogical values. Teamwork, ideation, literacy, self-actualization, and fun. I believe this first chapter, this first paragraph is actually going to be a repeat of my abstract, so I'm just going to jump ahead. Mm. I have been writing and drawing my own comic books since I was, since my childhood, and have gone on in adulthood to create award-winning comics and graphic novels, including The Breakaways from 2019, from publisher First Second. I began teaching comic book creation with kids in 2012 and have spent the last decade teaching kids how to make comics in schools, community centers, libraries, conventions, and virtual spaces across North America. In 2017, I developed deeper I delved deeper into my field and earned my master's degree in teaching and learning in art and design from the Rhode Island School of Design. My thesis was titled Developing the Cartooning Mind, the, thesis, the History, Theory, Benefit, and Practice of Comic Books and Visual Arts Education. Um, citation, Johnson, 2017. <laughs> That's me. Um, I then started Comic Art Ed, which is comicarted.com, a website made to promote the relationship of comics and art education. It contains lesson plans, student galleries, videos, reading lists, and workshop opportunities with me. I teach independent cartooning workshops as well as within programs and schools, and the demand for these classes has only grown as time progresses. So that's a little bit history about me and why I'm here and why I uh, deserve to be writing this paper. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So, why comics? I began my scholarly work after recognizing there has been a gap in knowledge for bringing comics into the arts classroom. There is wonderful research being done about teaching the reading of comics, Mm -hmm. such as this book. But there are huge opportunities open to discuss comics in the visual arts classroom. This paper will draw on the majority of these theories from my own teaching practice, developed from the ways my community has shaped my educational values and practice. Mm -hmm. Making comic books empowers children to tell their own stories and offers a wide variety of educational benefits. This potential continues to go untapped in many classrooms, and I have been enjo- and I have enjoyed being a pioneer in the growth of making comics in the classroom. And there is a quick when I say the ways that my community has shaped pedagogical values and practice, mm-hmm. it was really important for me to include. Uh, they put it as a footnote, but it was super important for me to include in this paper. So I want to. This is what I wrote. I want to directly credit Providence, Rhode Island. And my teaching colleagues there Mm -hmm. who have acted as mentors, confidants, and friends. Dalen Williams, Mimi Shanowski, Walker Metling, and Julia Gautieri. I was introduced to teaching comics by Walker and the Providence Comics Consortium. Mm -hmm. Collaboration and discussion, ideas for activities and projects, comics and education developed as a zeitgeist in Providence. Much of my teaching practice is influenced by my wonderful friends and colleagues listening to here and beyond. Much like the pedagogical values that I'm going to discuss in this article, education itself is greatly influenced by teamwork, ideation, and fun. So it was really important for me to acknowledge my, my colleagues and my friends mm-hmm. at Providen- in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, no- nothing is made in a vacuum. Nothing is developed in a vacuum. I don't claim any of this as... I claim myself as an expert, mm-hmm. as someone who has done this work for a long time, but I don't claim to be someone who has invented it. Right. So there have also been a few books. And part of why I, a uh, part of writing this paper, um, I was encouraged to include citations, right? And I didn't want to include citations from other research papers. I wanted to include citations from cartoonists. Mm-hmm. So here's this paragraph. There have been a few books. There have been a few books published in recent years that inspired me. What I am seeking in literature is the perspective of the cartoonist. This approach focuses identity on the artist, which supports asking students to become artists themselves Mm -hmm. rather than just like (laughs) people who write about how it's important to be an artist. Well, like, let's hear from the artists, right? Right. (laughs) Uh, So Linda Berry's wonderful titles, uh, What It Is from 2015, Syllabus, which also is from 2015, are books I return to again and again. Then there's Making Comics from 2020, which is Linda Berry's newest educational book at the time of this writing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ivan Brunetti's book, Cartooning, Philosophy and Practice from 2011, while focused on older college-age students, serves as inspiration for concrete cartooning lesson plans and what artistic goals should be in the classroom Mm -hmm. with a focus on the cartooning language over draftsmanship skills. If you haven't read Ivan Brunetti's book, I really recommend it for all comic educators. Share Your Smile from 2019 by Raina Telgemeier is a newer title for younger audiences that is useful for the classroom. Mm -hmm. While written in a journal-style format, the book demonstrates breaking down the comic-making process into age-appropriate bites. So that, Remus, that's my... Literature review. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so generally in papers like this, they want you to be citing all published work mm -hmm. in the same topic. And I just was like, I'm just going to look up cartoonists because that's who I care about. That's the perspective I'm coming from. Right. This is this is the focus. Right. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of other chapters in this book that talk about the scholarship and published research already. So I've broken up this chapter into five different pedagogical values that ma making comics exemplify in the classroom. Teamwork, ideation, literacy, self-actualization, and fun. I share my teaching philosophies in every section and show you what my comics class art classroom looks like. Age groups are taken into consideration. Elementary, middle, and teen classes can look different, mm -hmm. but carry over those same values. While the execution is slightly different, I have remained consistent in that I want students to gain from my art comic art classroom no matter the age. I will address different age groups throughout the article using examples from each group. All right. Are you ready for teamwork? Yeah, I'm ready. Yes. All right. So this is my first section. Teamwork. Teaching comics creates opportunities for group activities in a goofy and fun environment where the stakes are low to build vital teamwork and collaborative skills. Teamwork is valuable in the classroom because it builds a creative and supportive community, which helps students thrive. Collaboration is an important skill for our students to practice, and comic books lend themselves nicely to exercising the skill. Together, we are stronger, funnier, more thoughtful, and smarter than we are alone. I especially think teamwork is important for children to practice. In a comics class, we are being goofy, and the stakes of our projects are low. Oftentimes in workshops, no one is getting graded. We are just having fun. And because the stakes are low, comics workshops are a wonderful place to practice these important teamwork skills that will be applicable in so many other facets of life. The visual arts can be a lonesome field. In the new format of artist, writer, graphic novelists, cartoonists often work alone for long stretches of time. However, in the arts classroom, we can use the joyous nature of comic books to our advantage and break this stereotype. Mm. In my classroom, we often begin with different drawing games to warm ourselves up. These games consist of going around the room and collecting suggestions from every student. This sets the standard that everyone taking turns has patience, respect, and listening to what others say without judgment. The suggestions are then individually interpreted by everyone on their own pieces of paper. This encourages creative interpretations to express individually while also engaging collaborative teamwork. Mm. Larger projects can also use teamwork to build ideas, which helps students who may feel stuck and discouraged. So a warm-up game that's always popular among my students is titled Monster Roundtable. And then in the paper, I explain how to play this game. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm just going to jump right over it and just tell you that the game encourages creating fun ideas for everyone to draw while not pressuring students to give up their individual works of art by passing the sheet of paper. So individual students are making suggestions, but everyone is drawing their own paper. So everyone okay. gets turns. But they're not drawing on their own. On they're all drawing their own pictures, right? Mm -hmm. So it keeps kids engaged as a team while respecting their artwork. Okay. And then does that make sense? Did I need to explain the whole thing, or does it just like kind of? No, I think that's interesting because I was thinking about like uh, exquisite corpse as like is like a, yeah. a, a sort of similar collaborative game, except that one is you're passing around. So it's interesting that you're like you're you're sort of. Um, 
as part of this, like, preserving their uh, their own individual, like, they don't have to, sh- pat- they can kind of keep their own paper, I think is inter- an interesting, like, twist. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too, because I think, I think a lot, there's a lot of frustration when you're creating your own work, you spend a lot of time on mm-hmm. it, it's yours, you want to own it, and I think that's important to own your work, right? And so this is sort of a twist on it. Yeah. So everyone makes individual suggestions. So we're all drawing the same monster, Mm -hmm. but we can all have our own creative interpretations of the suggestions. So it doesn't feel like you're forced to do something that you don't want to do. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. (laughs) I know my audience. (laughs) Um, And then, so all these sections have a warm up activity and then they have sort of a larger activity. Mm -hmm. Um, So an example of a larger project involving teamwork is the six panel stories, which is a collaborative comic art activity. Um, And actually this, this project is uh, published on Mm comicarted.com. If you want to go see it, this paper is like a lot of collecting different blog posts that I had written before. It's pulling from my thesis It's pulling from more recent work too. So this is sort of a synthesizing of like the last few years of my work. This project is a collaborative comic book story where each student suggests what happens next in the story while drawing their own interpretation. Mm -hmm. In this activity, students have the opportunity to contribute to a six-panel comic story, and then I explain the activity. Mm -hmm. Everyone draws the story together. Um, Students uh, follow along as a class, but everyone gets to draw their own version and demonstrates different approaches to the same subject matter. It is a way to be collaborative, get the creative juices going as a group, while making and writing individual stories less daunting. Uh, Ideation is an important aspect of the comic book classroom. So next we're going to talk about ideation. But any other thoughts on teamwork and why teamwork is valuable? (laughs) (laughs) Um... Okay, I feel like I have questions. I I think I re- one thing I really like that you highlighted, this is less of, I had a question, but then you sort of answered it for me. So um, go for it. Because, you know, teamwork, I think it, it's interesting because I do think, like you pointed out, there is sort of this stereotype that um, there's sort of this image of artists in general as like these solitary genius figures, right? That like mm-hmm. work in isolation and comics, there are parts of the industry where I think that's less of a thing just by like the practical fact that many people have to work on a book, right? But mm-hmm. there is still, a, particularly in sort of the the indie graphic novel side, there is sort of this like, again, sort of like auteur mindset, right? Of like the again the sort of like individual lone genius. So it's so I thought I thought that was interesting to have teamwork be sort of the very first thing you bring in to be like no like it is you can be collaborative with it like it can be collaborative (laughs) yeah thank you Mm -hmm. yeah totally i think it's i think it's really um yeah and i think teamwork i don't go into it just because i'm frankly just not interested in writing that kind of paper but like why do we need students in a classroom to work on teamwork like i feel like oftentimes if you think about math class or history or something whenever you have a group project everyone just groans Mm -hmm. because everyone knows how stressful and like how difficult it is to have to work collaboratively collaboratively with a small group of people Mm -hmm. but we all know that those are valuable skills as an adult to like collaborate with other people not necessarily on a project but like working together those are 
the foundations of community, mm-hmm. right? Like mutual aid, all that stuff, helping each other out. And I think sort of those people skills, those are things that, as I say in the in that section, comic books are such low stakes yeah. and it's goofy and it's fun. So it's just a way of practicing that those really important teamwork skills in a way that hopefully is not stressful yeah and i also think like part of part of that is like with the the monster game where or in general right where you you know the the collaboration is in like the idea formation but then people are still drawing Mm -hmm. or like the kids are still drawing their own thing um right i also like that framing that as teamwork right where it's like no you can still like make your own thing but you are listening to other people and you are understanding and synthesizing what they are saying right yeah yeah thank you yeah i think that's important and i think that's a theme that you'll find throughout Mm -hmm. that's sort of my philosophy as an art teacher and especially with comic books is it's a it's a way of getting kids to practice these skills in a way that's less stressful yeah and i'm not going to go out there and say that art isn't an academic class because it is an academic class yeah. it's just what i am focusing on and i what what i want kids to take out of the class mm-hmm. are like these important skills that make them good citizens in the world <laughs> and make them yeah. have happy <laughs> lives <laughs> mm-hmm. all right so the next section is called ideation In cartooning, ideation is valued over drafting abilities, which empowers students to create who may be hesitant in traditional arts classroom. Students often can enter the studio with certain beliefs or of what is valuable in art, oftentimes Mm -hmm. skilled draftsmanship and a realistic style. A A comics class places all of its artistic value on ideas, ideas, ideas. Linda Berry is a large proponent of ideas over draftsmanship. In her book, What It Is, 2015, Barry discusses the powerful immediacy of drawings by children. She's talking about young children. Mm -hmm. Her work emphasizes that there is no good versus bad artwork, rather interesting and original work. I often tell my students a variant of this philosophy in my classroom. There is no good art or bad art, only fun art. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow, that sounds so cheesy to say it out loud. Being an art teacher is kind of cheesy. Yeah, you have to be a little cheesy, I think, if you're teaching kids. (laughs) This process over product approach is the direction I believe art education should be heading towards. Mm -hmm. I argue that the value of an art class is not because we all want all students to be skilled at drawing. We want them to grow up to be creative, versatile, persistent, and responsive. Mm -hmm. Comic books are the perfect medium for students because of this. This is literally what I just told you. <laughs> <laughs> trust, trust the trust my own writing a little bit here. Um, even the most professional comics can have a wide range of draftsmanship approaches, from the simplest Charles Schultz's Peanuts and Dave Pilkey's Dogman to highly detailed superhero comics. It is not about the drawing, but the cartooning and the storytelling. It is all about the ideas. I rarely teach students a classic how-to-draw approach. With encouragement, students are always able to draw their ideas in ways that are recognizable and fun for others. Mm -hmm. Students often think that they do not know how to draw based off of their own preconceived notions on what a drawing should look like. A common thing that happens in class is that I suggest, for example, drawing a dragon. 
Often a student will say they do not know how. And then I will say, don't worry, dragons don't exist. So you can draw one any way you want. It's up to you. <laughs> what I find more interesting for students, um, what I find far more interesting for students to work on are the ideas behind their drawings. I am much more interested in a crudely drawn monster girl with five eyes and snakes for arms than a really well-drawn normal human girl. <laughs> Which one would you rather look at? <laughs> Um, all right. So a warm-up game based on ideation is the game titled Equipment, which is inspired by my friend Dalen Williams. And then I explain this other warm-up game where I just kind of go step-by-step on how to play Equipment. Mm -hmm. But basically, it's about drawing a character and then coming up with the different uh, equipment. It's like kind of inspired by video games, which is why it was sort of inspired by like Dalen, because Dalen plays way more video games than me. <laughs> but basically, it's like coming up with the like the um, what they need on their head, what they're going to bring on their adventure. Basically, it's coming up with different objects to sort of equip your character. Oh, that's so fun. Um, it's a very fun game. Um, and these drawing games are an opportunity to set the standard that draftsmanship is not the number one concern in the comic book art classroom. The equipment game is all about coming up with fun and creative answers to their adventures prob- pl- problems. And the class discussions that develop when students share their equipment is much more valuable than anything we could have pre- perfectly rendered. Mm. So basically, if you think about it, like, say you have a character and they're going on a they're going on an adventure into a volcano and so what what are they going to wear on their feet well they're going to wear lava protection boots right Mm -hmm. and then you i mean does do the lava protection boots need to be perfectly rendered no but it's super fun to think about lava protection boots right Mm -hmm. so that's sort of the idea (laughs) (laughs) um One of the main projects in the comic art ed classroom is creating original characters. At the beginning of my comics classes, we establish a few rules to guide the rest of our time together. This includes coming up with our own original ideas, not inspired by existing properties. By removing the student's immediate idea, which often replicates dominant ideology, and here I say Batman or Superman, but honestly, it's more like, um, it's more, uh like cartoon characters i get i don't often get batman or superman anymore to be honest do you ever get like naruto no not naruto honestly it's like spongebob oh yeah that (laughs) that makes sense yeah (laughs) yeah a lot of spongebob a lot of uh right now it's not i i always call it against me but that's a band what is the game where people are sus oh among us (laughs) among us i always wanted to call it against me because i'm a cool person (laughs) So, like, Among Us characters often shows up, too. <laughs> like, way more than Batman or Superman. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> so, because they their immediate ideas kind of replicate these ideologies, the student begins to think about their own stories and what they are personally inspired, what is personally inspiring to them. Mm-hmm. So, trying to pull them away from existing properties kind of forces them to think about what they are actually inspired by, for real. Mm-hmm. Um, this also advocates for expansive imaginations and overlaps with the pedagogical goal of self-actualization, mm. which we'll talk about shortly in this chapter. 
Um, however, this does not exclude collaborating with your classmates, which should be encouraged because teamwork makes the dream work, <laughs> which I did publish in this paper. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so back to original cr- character creation. Original characters can be anything and anyone, human, cat, alien, or anything. And then I kind of go on through prompting my students into making original characters, including writing stats, like character stats, um, sort of different information about your character, their home, their height, what they like, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The stats I use with students change pretty often with my own ideas Influenced by the work of Raina Telgemeier's book Share Your Smile from 2019 and the character work by Providence Comics Consortium. Um, By answering these questions, students are exercising their own ideation work. I encourage students to never write down none or trying to skip um, different things. Like if if I have something that says weakness, a lot of characters a lot of kids want to write none because they don't want their character just to have any weakness. Mm. Um, But I find it's when, um, sorry, excuse me. Students write none often when they are frustrated or disinterested in this brainstorming process. Mm. However, the character stat steps builds an important foundation for the comic development process, right? So, so far we haven't even drawn any comics. Well, there was that, that sort of group one. Sure. Um, but like actually coming up with your own ideas, right? Mm-hmm. So knowing where a character lives, who they, who are the people in their, their life are, um, what they like to do, what they want, what they're afraid of. This all helps build a scaffold to tell a compelling comic book story. And it is a comic book story a, a student completely comes up with on their own, mm-hmm. right? So gently encouraging them to stick with the step will always be beneficial in the long run, empowering them to create a fun and original comic. Um, it is also an exercise in creating in self-directed creative writing, mm-hmm. which helps with our next pedagogical value of literacy. Um, so that is the complete thing on ideation what do you think about that like how i'm sort of pushing the ideas of ideation over drawing and draftsmanship yeah um i mean i think that's something i've always liked about your teaching approach is that like you're an art teacher that isn't particularly interested in being technically proficient right um Mm -hmm. and i like i think i'm interested in do you sort of like so you sort of use these to build together right so like would you have them sort of start out by creating a character and then do the inventory game with the character they made? Or do you go out of order? Like, does it depend? Yeah, I kind of go back and forth a little bit. Sometimes it's a character that they made in the equipment game, um, especially if if it's a more than one day cla- uh, activity. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the equipment game, I just say, uh, draw a quick character. It doesn't matter. Because um, we'll often do a wor- uh, a... The warm-up game is very important, right? Right. So the warm-up game, I always try to have a warm-up games that involve developing characters. So monster roundtable, uh, silly faces is one where you just draw silly faces and you come up with noses and stuff like that. And it's all influenced by the other people in the room. Yeah. So when I get to moments with like equipment where I want them they to draw a character. Sometimes they have the characters that they've come up with because they're kids and they have OCs. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> um so I'm like, you can use that. Or if you want to use the monster that we just came up with in class, you can use that. Or it can just be an animal or just a person. It doesn't really matter. So I usually give them tons of options. 
um, for that game equipment. But if we have already done... Because the thing with the original character development, that's a little bit more uh, self-directed. Right. Um, and I think having those drawing games early on in a workshop or in a class gets everyone kind of on the same page of everyone takes turns, everyone contributes to class, everyone is involved. Um, and I mm-hmm. think it helps with kids who might not be art kids and they might be uncomfortable with it. And so if you just jump right into a self-directed project, it's just not going to happen. Right. Right. So I always start with simple games that everyone where everyone takes a turn and this the stakes are super low. Right. <laughs> because it gets them much more comfortable with those more self-directed activities. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I do love that it is it's OCs. It's OC making. <laughs> yeah. So like some pe- some kids really come in with the OC and they know everything about them. But I wouldn't say that's not that's not the majority of kids. Yeah. You know that's the that's like us when we were young. Um, but it's just not a majority of kids. And I really work really hard to make an art classroom that's fun for those kids for sure but also literally for anyone right yeah <laughs> that's that that's something that's very valuable to me is having art education be accessible to everyone yeah oh, i love that um, thank you but also i don't want to say i'm completely ignoring the art kids there's nothing oh uh, yeah I'm, I, but i'm always happy to have an art listen. <laughs> But I, it is funny how, like, I have not actually really taught art kids before. Like, that's, like, a rarity for me. Well, because you teach in a, in a, you know, in a school setting, so it's not, like, self-selecting, per se, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't done a ton of self-selected uh, workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, like, you'll see a lot of, which is, I think that's important, right? Because I think teaching actual art kids is, like, such a different ballgame. Oh, yeah. So a lot of my stuff is... A lot of my personal work when I'm talking about pedagogy is super generalized and introducing kids to an idea and encouraging them. Some kids don't need encouragement. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I do I do think it's valuable for me to, to say that that is where I'm coming from. No, I think that is important. Cause I was also going to say, I think uh, speaking of self-selection, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the folks listening to this podcast are in the art kit camp. <laughs> Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Or I believe we just have teachers. Like, if you're a teacher and you're listening to this, True. I really, you know, and you think that this might be fun, I really hope you do it. I really do. Yeah. All right. So two more sections. Uh, all right. Let's go. Um, so the next one is self-actualization. Um, making comic books creates opportunities for self-actualization by valuing the individual voice and identity of all children embedding equity and inclusion into the classroom. Got to get those buzzwords going here because um, it's important. Uh, students are given ownership over their own narratives. Mm-hmm. In the art comic art classroom, kids do everything from developing characters and stories to drawing and writing, even sharing, distributing their work. Kids are centered and empowered. And ownership over the comic making process can expand to a child's ownership over their own creativity because an individual's voice is centered in comic book creation. Mm -hmm. Cartooning offers an adaptable art education for children of all experiences. Graphic novels have multiple entry points that allow students to explore the medium and develop their creativity. 
The adaptability of comic books creates opportunities to address the diversity of experience in children's development. Cartooning can speak directly to children of marginalized experience, children who, in many aspects, are made to feel small by the culture and society in which they find themselves. Mm -hmm. In my practice, I pay attention to the needs of all students regarding neurodiversity, socioeconomic status, race, gender, sexuality, transgender status, immigration status, and any other number of intersectional and marginalized identities. How do you create an inclusive environment in a comics class? When teaching in a comic art in an art classroom with younger kids, maintaining a positive and inclusive environment is important. Children can spend a large portion of their time growing up in mainstream settings, which can affect their values and expression. The art classroom should do everything in its power to offer and encourage alternatives to dominant ideologies. Mm -hmm. We should provide an inclusive environment that allows safe creativity for marginalized experiences and allows students of all walks of life to explore and express creative creativity in ways that feel healthy and natural without tokenizing. I start by centering marginalized experiences in my classroom. We are lucky to be an age when we find when finding age-appropriate comics that have a diverse cast of characters are readily available in North America. I look for comic books that show a diverse range of characters and experiences, especially anything authored, authored and starring women and girls of color. I have found that there is no pushback from my white male students. If a student loves masculine white male superheroes, they often have access to those stories in other places. The exclusion of these stories in my classroom only sets up an environment that centers characters of different experience and broadens my students' ideas for what a comic book story can be. I also offer options and ideas to keep my classroom inclusive. As described in the ideation section above, students create characters for their comics, but first we create an original character as a class for practice. So mm -hmm. we make the character, make one character together as a class. When we have this brainstorming session, I use inclusive language as possible, such as a variety of pronouns, non-ableist or classist language, etc. This way, when students are given time to come up with their own characters, they are creating an already established inclusive space. I want to create a space where every answer is the right answer, including answers that may be more marginalized. Hmm. One comic-making project that centers student voice is the life comic activity. This activity gets students thinking and sharing about their past, present, and future. And actually, this activity is available right now on my website. It's called Life Comic Activity. It's uh, in a blog post. Um, the life comic activity is a is for uh, elementary and middle school age students. Although I recently did it with college kids, so I think you could do this with anyone. Um, and it gets students to open up and share about themselves in a fun setting. Uh, students get to use their memory and imagination with the low stakes drawing skills required. Students are willing to push their ideas and themselves. It is important to do the work to set up a classroom that allows children a fruitful and inclusive creative environment. Rather than tokenizing marginalized experiences, my aim is to embrace them and allow my students to feel comfortable while exploring their art and the world of comic books, which is huge, diverse, fantastic, and fun. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the end of the self-actualization section. And a large part of that section is pulled from different blog posts. I have a blog post about creating an inclusive comic space that kind of 
didn't go viral, but it was pretty popular when I first wrote it a few years ago. So I wanted to mm-hmm. make sure I pulled those ideas into this. And also I was inspired by a my professor at Brown University who I took a child development course from. And she talked about how there is still a lack of... there. So like teaching teachers, right? Like so teachers professors who are teaching teachers to to teach children right like training new teachers there's still a lot of work encourage in including marginalized experiences on just talking about it Mm -hmm. and so um at first sort of my instinct was just to be like of course like of course this is important to me and but like to give it a section and just to be like really very crystal clear Mm -hmm. (laughs) um is uh, valuable. Do you have any thoughts on self-actualization and how comics can do that for kids? Or even? Yeah, I think a um, couple. Well, let me let me parse my thoughts for a minute. Mm-hmm. I think I I I, th- I I like the way you describe your approach because I do think you're right that there's that's like not talked about like just like the act of like excluding like or, or specifically choosing like curating what books you put in your classroom i guess is the way to put it right yeah, that's a, that's a good way of yeah because yeah. i because excluding sounds you know but um you know sort of like being very deliberate and because because it, it's not like you're i think like that's a very sort of positive way to do it because it i think people often feel like they need to just come in and be like and you're not allowed to do these things and but when you do that you sort of like call attention to it Mm, yeah totally right versus just coming in and acting as though like no this is just the it's very like prefigured of politics right just like these are the books we have and i'm just going to use this terminology and i'm not going to make a big deal out of it and it just normalizes it (laughs) like yeah absolutely and i think and i think that's that's like that's focused on elementary ages but i think that's probably true for all ages right no i one of the smartest in i the way that i used to when I was teaching, um, I always used, uh, you know, I always made a point to sort of like try to bring in as much uh, work by, uh, you know, marginalized creators or writers as possible. Um, and I was teaching sort of general education writing classes. They weren't necessarily literature focused. So, you know, I would be using a comic by a, a trans woman, for example, for a, a pro- for a, a, an activity, but the activity wouldn't be to analyze the content. It would be like a writing thing. Um, but mm-hmm. you can still use that content. And I, I, the first semester I did that, I was nervous about it. Cause I was like, Oh, what if I get like, you know, pushback and my mentor who was a high school teacher before she went into the program, which was very helpful, um, was like, you just write the activity in a way where you don't even give them the space to talk about that. Like it just becomes mm. so like, and yeah, I didn't like the way I designed the activity, like it didn't even come up because like there was no yeah. part of it where that was like a question for them. They just accepted it and went with it. So like it, it is very, I think like you can do that in a way where like you don't even have to like, not that, you know, you'll never get pushback or whatever, but it is really just about framing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's like the, the ongoing goal, mm-hmm. right? Is to it's it's about inclusivity. Like it's not about right. Not about like um, denial. And it, you know, as I was saying that, the I hadn't gone through like October twenty twenty one is when the book bans started to kind of come out, right? Right, and it's gotten worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I hadn't even occurred to me that me saying like I just don't even bring in superhero comics with white men at the front of them right i just don't i just don't bring them in and i purposely say in this paper 
that if they love that stuff, they have access to those stories in so many other places. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying I don't. Those aren't those aren't stories that I also can love. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just that's not part of the space that I'm creating. Right. Or they, it is included in the space. It's just like I don't think it's not necessary for me to prioritize it. Right. Because it's so prioritized in other places. And I think that's that your word curation is probably a much better word. But I even say specifically excluding yeah. <laughs> the stories, don't I? <laughs> and listen, that's it. Listen, it's. But I don't like. Yeah, I was gonna say because I feel like if a kid wants to do a superhero story, they probably I'm not stopping. Right, they're gonna do it. Like I'm not stopping them. Yeah, (laughs) and they don't. They probably already have that. Like they probably are coming in with that because it's so oversaturated. Right. Yeah, and I'm just encouraging them to think broadly, broadly, right? And that's the idea of an art classroom is to think about all the possibilities. Creative thinking, just keeping keeping your mind growing and growing and growing that's that's what it's all about yeah um and so the final section is fun which i think is important to have it at the end (laughs) (laughs) it's the number one um fun is the one extremely important all-encompassing pedagogical value that make making comics offers students Mm -hmm. making comics is just fun and because comics are fun they aid in social emotional development by connecting students with each other through humor which brings joy and engagement to learning when thinking about the art education classroom goofiness is beneficial to feeling comfortable while making art Uh, comics is a wonderful place to let your silly self be free It is valuable to give children the chance to be as silly as they want to be while developing other positive skills that comics classes can offer. Mm -hmm. Recently, as I wrote this, a ninth grade student told me that my art class was the first art class she had ever laughed in. I am often told by my elementary students that art is their favorite subject because we all smile and have a good time. These are all quotes Mm -hmm. that kids have told me. I am not saying this to toot my own horn, <laughs> but the evidence that have I there's something about so the this is like a Swedish book actually like this has come out from a Swedish university yeah. so sometimes the turns of phrase are like particularly scandy and then sometimes <laughs> I'm I get away with things like toot my own horn <laughs> and I also think <laughs> I think it's just because and I'm just so happy that they let me do it. <laughs> Um, but the evidence I have observed is real and fierce. Children produce better work with confidence when they are having a good time. Mm-hmm. With joy, they will embrace all the other values that we have talked about already. When, uh, when developing activities for the comics classroom, I strive to combine a different cartoon Combine the different cartooning skills with excitement. Inspired by my friend Mimi Shinowski, Object Quick Draw is a game where students draw objects as quickly as possible against a timer. And I mean like 10 seconds. Like I tell them, draw a hammer and they draw it really fast. And then I'm like, draw a clock and they draw it really fast. This helps students loosen up and combats that negative sentence that all art teachers hear. I don't know how to draw. Mm-hmm. And then there, I kind of go into the activity description. But this one is very fun. This one's very goofy. Because <laughs> there's no time to think. You just got to do it. You just got to do it. Um, students will be ready to draw their own comic book stories after all these drawing games, warm-ups, and developing their own characters. Uh, for younger ages, I will print out simple uh, panel grid pages, four or five pages 
I found with younger kids, drawing panels with rulers can be overly tedious. Mm. And we just want to get to the good stuff. Um, Older students are able to draw their own grids to to match their vision for a story. Um, Some students may benefit from writing a script first or creating a rough sketch of their story. But in my experience, sometimes these steps can also just be frustrating. Mm. Our goal is to keep energy, momentum, and the fun high. So whatever kids are inspired to do, that is the way we'll jump into comic book making. When students are stuck on what happens next, you can refer to them to those original character pages. What did your character want? Where did they live? Who are their friends? These are small grains of brainstorming can slip into their stories and keep that momentum going. The final project for my longer comics classes is printing a class anthology together inspired by the anthologies made by the Providence Comics Consortium. Anthologies that I've created in the past are printed on 11 by 17 paper, then folded in half and stapled with a long arm stapler, creating sort of those eight and a half by 11 pages. Mm-hmm. Younger students will also will have already drawn their paper, their comic book pages on eight and a half by 11 paper. So their work can be placed straight onto the copy machine. Mm-hmm. I've had my older students scan pages and do some simple digital editing before laying out artwork in a book design program. Um, students can also vote on a title, create a class cover together, and work as a team in the final book production. Printing a class anthology can be as rudimentary or as complex as time allows, but ultimately, handing a book out to students makes that last day one full of joy. They love sharing their work with each other, friends, and family, and taking it all home in a triumphant published book. Comics are meant to be printed, shared, and enjoyed by all. That's the end of my fun section. (laughs) And then I have a quick conclusion, but any ideas on why it's important for comics to be fun, Remus? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like you cover it pretty well in this one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's it's so funny because sometimes I would get feedback that is like, can you back up these claims, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because this is peer reviewed. So I had a peer reviewer who said was like, these these are claims that you're making. Can you back it up? And it's just like, I just kept being like, I don't I don't want to back up why fun is good. That's I don't. How am I supposed? It's good. What do you want from me? (laughs) Yeah, like it was really like I was like I can't. It's just I just I I just need my reader. I just need them to be on the same page as me for some things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a fair review. It was a sure, fair sure. thing. Because these are claims I'm making. Um, but I was like, if you don't believe fun is important for kids, then we have a lot more problems. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And my conclusion. Comics are a welcoming art form. The barrier to entry is low. All someone needs is a pencil and paper. It helps to have a group of people cheering you on. Your art skills are secondary to your ideas, which can be as goofy and outrageous as you want them to be. Reading and writing becomes fun when you are sharing your own stories and making your friends laugh. Creating an inclusive environment for everyone is ex- where everyone is accessible when comic books centers and celebrates independent voices. And creating comics is fun. It is just fun. And who doesn't need more fun in their life? <laughs> <laughs> I hope the anecdotal evidence in this chapter has shown you, without a doubt, that making comics in the classroom is great for everyone. We have discussed the many benefits of making comics in the classroom and shared various lesson plans for teachers to use to implement their own cartooning curriculums. 
You can find more at my comic education website, www.comicarted.com. I hope you choose to draw robotic dragons, Mr. Disaster escaping from New Jersey, and gigantic talking flowers. I hope everyone decides to bring making comics into their classrooms and that you share the comics they make with the world. That's the end. And then I have some references, but these are all uh, things that I've already talked about. Mm -hmm. Like why? uh, Yeah. Thank you you. very much. Yeah. And so uh, let me get back to um, my drawing a dialogue hat. (laughs) So conclusion. What did we learn? What are goals and what are some takeaways? I'm gonna let the let you let you do. We that. learned a lot about why drawing comics is good. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think there's a lot. I, I I think there's a lot of like again. I think the way that you approach teaching, and I also wanted to shout out that because um, you know you reference Walker um, and the Promix, the Providence Comics Consortium. We do have an interview with Walker on the podcast. Yes, we do. It's back. a very early episode, yeah. but we do have an interview with him because I really he gave me my first teaching job ever, mm-hmm. and I just really changed the course of my life. And I just really want to make sure that I'm honoring um, the people that my mentors, the people who showed me how to do stuff, my friends, you know, yeah. like that's important to me. I don't want to claim that it's all me because it's not. Totally. Um, Thank you for remembering that. I completely forgot. We've been doing this for like five years. I know. <laughs> it's been a really long time. Um, I did have a question actually I wanted to ask you though. Uh, maybe yeah, here's totally. the moment. Um, the four, so that you have the four values that you have that you, that you've, you've sort of developed and that you organized this um, chapter around. I think it's five. It's five. It's five. Excuse me. Um, how did you develop them? How did you come up with them? Yeah. So those five pedagogical values are teamwork, ideation, literacy, self-actualization, and fun. Mm-hmm. And I would say that is just work from, um, it's synthesizing my own work. Sure. It's working with, um, my professors. Like I said, that self-actualization section is really inspired by Brown University professor. And she taught me child, she taught my, in my child development class. Mm-hmm. And she just thought it was really, as she read my papers, she realized it's just really important for students to be telling their own stories and to be owning their own identities. Because she was telling me that it feels like a lot of the time students are really funneled through things, right? Like they're really funneled into what we want from them. Right. We need them to get A's. They like they don't have a ton of opportunities to express themselves. And she was just talking about how that's really important and how that's really important in a world where if you have a marginalized identity, not everyone is sharing your experiences. So like feeling like you can own yourself Mm -hmm. and stand true in that, she said is really really important. So that was why I'm like, I'm gonna make sure that this just becomes a clear goal in all my work is that I want marginalized, people with marginalized identities to feel centered and seen and to own their voice. And for people who um, don't necessarily share those identities to also feel like they can read those stories and share mm-hmm. those stories and like have that sort of community community building, right? right. Um, so that's sort of the inspiration for that. And then literacy, actually just reading, that really definitely comes down to uh, pedagogy of the oppressed. Right. Uh, like how reading empowers the citizen of a country or of a of the world 
to think for themselves, to read and synthesize and have a voice. Right. Um, so that really does come from, like, I don't know, communism? Yeah, <laughs> communist teaching theory. <laughs> like, why I think it's really important for kids to read. Mm-hmm. Like, I th- And I think a lot of the times comic book artists don't want it to be, like, are a little shy away from comic books are good because they're easy to read. And it's like... And I'm like, I think that's a good thing. Right. I think it's a good thing that the vocabulary expectations in a graphic novel are lower than the vocab than necessarily are the vocabulary expectations of a prose book. That it can empower kids because they can read a book really fast. Mm-hmm. And I I think that's a freaking good thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And then teamwork is like, again, community. I guess, you know what's really coming out is that I'm a big radical punk. Right. <laughs> uh, teamwork. Teamwork is community. Like, what we need to learn to work together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's valuable and it's good. And that ideation, uh, pedagogical value, coming up with ideas, being creative. That is how we're going to change the world. That is how we're going to abolish the pr- police. Right. <laughs> that being, having creative thoughts, having a, a voice thinking of new ideas, not allowing the majority, not allowing the oppressors to control your thoughts, mm-hmm. you know? And then fun is how we're going to keep from fucking burning out while we're doing everything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I would say all those things are just a synthesize- synthesizing my work. But honestly, I guess, you know, they are coming from like a radical place. Yeah. Definitely. Like, why am I a teacher? I'm a teacher because I want to be working with communities, working with kids, Mm -hmm. meeting families, getting like, it's all functional in building community and moving towards a future that I want for all of us. Yeah. But thank you for that question. Yeah. It's just, it's synthesizing my own work and my own. It's sort of, I would say, if you were a new teacher, you have to, or applying to jobs, you have to write a teaching philosophy. And that's my teaching philosophy. Like, why am I a teacher? Like, these are the reasons that I'm a teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. 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 I'm all all passionate now. Thank you. (sighs) Um, Yeah. Did anything come up for me? I'm just, I'm just really happy. Honestly, I'm really happy to finally, thank you very much for just like letting me record all oh, that. Oh yeah. I, um... I ruled. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's just, this is the synthesis of my work. Yeah. I've been teaching, I've been teaching comics for over 10 years and I, I really think it's super valuable. And <laughs> if anything, if there's a conclusion for you, dear listener, it has nothing to do with drawing a good picture and (laughs) telling a good story (laughs) and i think and i think that's why i'm a teacher yeah you know like i'm a cartoonist and i love drawing and telling stories it's a form that i believe in and i think that is why ultimately i also want everyone else to do it too Mm -hmm. is i think it's a it's an easy fun form and i think it's super valuable and why this was published in the first place was me wanting to encourage more teachers to do it mm. just have more comic books in the world so when are we gonna get the f- the full length book i mean i feel like i gotta like linda barry is like what is she in her 60s 50s 60s uh-huh. like i got i got like i got decades to go <laughs> <laughs> you're in no rush yeah i'm not in a rush i like i just want to keep developing i always try to uh, that's why sort of i talk about comicarted.com yeah. a lot 
on this podcast and in this thing and drawing a dialogue that's where we are hosted too mm-hmm. it's it's a project to just build and accumulate this stuff and um hopefully yeah have these moments of synthesizing where they are can be put out into bigger published works but also that's like the, what the project of the website is yeah. is to just for me to be documenting and sharing my work as I go and I do hope like this chapter was a synthesizing synthesizing of the last few years of work mm-hmm. and I yeah I hope that there could be a full published book at some point um but I decided that I'm not in a rush because this is my life's work so <laughs> why why rush through my life <laughs> I but I do feel that like I really feel like this is my life's work and I want to have fun while I'm doing it yeah I think that's important thanks thank you so much um and hey uh no letters to the editor but i would encourage you to please write us you can write us mm-hmm. at drawing a dialogue at gmail.com it's totally fine like i don't know i'm not self-conscious about it oh <laughs> we talked about i know that's the funny thing is so many people tell us they listen to us um but no one writes in but also i wonder we just haven't asked like a question like no one's had a reason to write us in yet do you yeah, want that's fair we're always just pretty we're always just like if you have a thing to say <laughs> yeah totally yeah should we come up with like a question that'd be fun why not um uh what's an exciting graphic novel that you've read recently how about that oh i love that yeah tell us tell us yeah tell us <laughs> <laughs> but really do tell us because we're gonna be really sad if we don't have anything to no! say. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just make up people we'll yeah make up people. Uh well thank you. And thank you. Um thanks to Downtown Boys for the use of their song Wave of History. It's off their album Full Communism. You can buy it off their Bandcamp. And we're on to finals, Remus, if you have a script in front of you. Oh. Um But if you don't, that's okay. I can keep rolling. No, I did, but I was like, I don't need it. Surely I can just guess. Um well you already well the thing is, is you already sort of you already sort of did the the pitch for comic art ed. I know that's um, this this entire this entire podcast is all about it. <laughs> right. Um but that is where drawing a dialogue is hosted and you can go over to drawingadialogue.com to look at the the, the show notes. Uh, like Kathy said you can email us and tell us what your the the gra- a graphic novel you've read recently that you really like. Um drawingadialogue at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at draw a dialogue uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, yeah, you. <laughs> we might. Can we just say we're gonna start an Instagram and just say that because this stuff won't come out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I guess we could just say that, but I can't guarantee that it will have happened. <laughs> we're gonna start an Instagram because uh, uh, Twitter has been. Healthy. It seems like it's. It seems like it's a good time to have sort of a backup yeah, option. That's a um, diplomatic. But way you can also, it. if you aren't subscribed to us, you can also be subscribed to us, and you'll see new episodes that way. Yeah, like through a podcast catcher and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you can follow me on Twitter for the time being at Remus Maurice, which is R E M U S M A U R I C E. That's also my Instagram handle. Um. And I do, I never say it, but I do have a website that's just my name, so remusjackson.com. There's nothing, it's my portfolio, it's not, like, interactive, but it's there, and you can look <laughs> at it. That's interacting. <laughs> um, and you can follow me at Kathy G. John, that's C-A-T-H-Y-G-J-O-H-N, and I 
I'm Kathy Gijon on everything. Tumblr, Twitter, Hive, Bumble, Twi- I'm not Bumble. Bumble? <laughs> 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 oh no. Okay, Cupid. Match.com. Grinder. <laughs> oh no. I'm just kidding. But if you have a social media that you like, look up Kathy Gijon. It's probably me. That's true. You uh, even have a TikTok. Yeah, I got a TikTok. I try to, whenever something new comes up, I just like try to go and nab that username. That's smart. How do you, how are you liking Hive? I haven't. Um, it doesn't uh it doesn't work with my uh, gallery, so I can't post pictures, which sort of negates oh, cool. being a cartoonist. Uh, <laughs> okay. So so far, I've just said, "Hey, I can't post pictures on this," but it is me. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I I'm on Mastodon. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I, I <laughs> it's it's funny. It's like having um having this thing burned down is like i'm trying to you know what i did i got a little notebook i got a little notebook and mm-hmm. i keep it in my pocket and i write my tweets on it i write my tweets in, my, in this little <laughs> notebook because you know tweets used to be like ideas you know and then they just yeah they... tweets to go die but you know those used to be ideas for p- future projects that's true. I mean, I remember when uh, I bet a lot of our listeners are too, or some people are probably too young for this, but like you used to just tweet from your phone, like you would just text Twitter yeah. and it would post. Like you didn't, like I didn't think about it. I was just like texting random things that came yeah, into my and head. So I've decided I was like, I'm just gonna keep a little notebook and I'll write my little ideas. So when I feel when I want to say the little thought, I'm feeling lonely. I just type write that down. I'm feeling lonely. Put it back into my little pocket. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see if it goes anywhere. Um, And it doesn't need to go anywhere because it's a little, it's a little notebook in my pocket. So that's true. (laughs) Um, But I'm trying to, I'm trying to develop something new. Uh, Try to figure out that sort of that step. Yeah. Because honestly, I get kind of sad about. I get sad, Remus. I get sad about my world shrinking. I don't like it when my world shrinks. Yeah, I like fair. having a big, big world and I like adding new things to it. And so when my world shrinks, I get mm-hmm. a little sad about it. But um, but I'm not I'm not. It's not like the saddest thing in the world. <laughs> you are extremely a Gemini. Oh, is that true? Yeah. <laughs> Kay will back me up. Um, <laughs> so, what have you what have you been oh, reading recently? That's right. <laughs> um. I've been reading. I did finish Hurricane Season and actually have a correction. Ooh. I have a correction. I okay. included Hurricane Season in an order that included books from the National Book Award for Translation, Translated Literature that the that was right. uh, judged, judged by Anne Ishii and John Doniel, among others. But that sure. book order, that specific book was actually not part of that judging. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I actually, okay. uh, that's a correction I had to make, but it's still a good book and you should read it. Yeah. Uh, it's actually a super, very difficult book. I actually talked to Ross a little bit more about it because I was like, what's going on in this book? Um, and he said that it's actually kind of a radical book because it's sort of about the femicides of Mexico. And it's actually kind of, ra- mm. it's pretty radical for the author to be writing so violently and clearly about this violence that's taking place. So it's Whoa. kind of a difficult book to get through because it is talking very clearly yeah. about violence against women um, and violence against children. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it was published recently um, is uh, a big deal. Um, so yeah, so it was uh, it was a difficult read, but it was a valuable read for me. 
Um, and I am now mm-hmm. reading A Generous Spirit. So it's selected work by Beth Brandt. Um, Beth Brandt mm-hmm. is a um, a Mohawk writer who is a lesbian. Um, so she's mm-hmm. an indigenous writer, uh, indigenous lesbian poet, essayist, and activist Ooh. from the uh, Tandignaga Mohawk Reserve in Ontario, Canada. So she sort of was part of the new wave of women indigenous writers and specifically lesbian mm-hmm. um, from like the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that is right. Um, I just picked it up because I went to Heartleaf Books, which is a new um, independent bookstore in Providence. I just wanted to grab some stuff from them and they, it was on a display and I was like, this looks great. Uh, the, it's published by Sapphic Classics, which is... <laughs> Oh, that's fun. <laughs> I know, isn't that fun? Um, so what are you reading, Remus? Um, I have been working through um the ouvre of uh Shuzo Oshimi, um, who is a mangaka. His his most recent um ongoing work is Welcome Back Alice. Um and I a couple of my friends were were tweeting about in one of the most recent, I think, issues of Welcome back, Alice. He included this, like, you know, you know how manga often have like a like a letter at the end where they sort of right. talk about what they're doing and like the work and stuff. More American cartoonists should do that. Anyway, um, he he was describing his sort of experience with gender, and he described himself as having this like wounded, bloody girl inside him. Um, you know, like just it was very beautiful, like this very beautiful letter, like very clearly about like sort of the trauma of you know gender. Um, and Welcome Back, Alice is a manga about gender. So I was really interested in it, but I wanted to sort of like, one of my friends recommended that you like read through his work chronologically because you can kind of see the ideas develop mm. over time. Um, so I I've been, I read a bunch of them. You can't get, I haven't gotten all of them. Um, but the one I just, the one I was going to mention that I had read pretty recently and finished was uh, his, his work Devil Ecstasy from 2005. Mm. Um which is, uh, well, Penguin Random House calls it an erotic horror comedy. Um, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, about this college age boy who accident through, let's say shenanigans. He has, he has trauma with women, but through shenanigans, he sort of like, um, discovers a, uh, a love hotel that is being run by Succubi. Mm. Um, and the succubi are sort of planning on taking over humanity. Um, but it's, and it's, it is pretty funny. Um, it's pretty wild, but also like a lot of interesting stuff with gender happening in these Mm. books. (laughs) Like, uh, you know, like a lot of, uh, a lot of like, you know, like I'm like, yeah, this, this is a trans person who is working through stuff. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it, it definitely has that like that vibe and i also just think the way he draws is gorgeous <laughs> so um yeah cool i have been seeing welcome back alice but i haven't uh finally pulled the trigger on buying it it seems really good i'm excited to read oh, you it. Haven't picked um, it you haven't actually read it yet no because i'm going in okay. order so i'm still i'm still uh the one i i'm the one i'm like working th- i couldn't i want to read um he has one called uh uh drifting net cafe but um 
I haven't been able to get my hands on that one yet, so I'm reading the next one. I'm going to read is Happiness, which he did. In I like have, 20... I have the first, uh, the first volume of Happiness on my to be read, to be read. Oh, cool. Shelf. Yeah, apparently that's like one of the the more well known ones. Cool. That he's done. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. I. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank um, you. And thank you uh, for listening to Drawing a Dialogue. Uh, my name is Kathy G. Johnson. Oh, there you forever. Bye.